Hey, good morning, everybody. Whew. All right, so we are going to start our long journey through the uh, book of Psalms today, which will either finish in about 12 to 15 years by my estimation here, or the Lord will return and we'll all be singing praises with him in heaven, and man, I'm looking forward to that too. Uh, but today we're going to start in Psalms chapter 1, and we're going to simply be looking at two men, or rather two types of men. We're going to be looking at the blessed or the righteous man, and we're going to be looking at the ungodly man. And the question I want us to ask ourselves today as we go through this together is, what type of man or, or woman most resembles you right now at this point in your walk? <clears throat> because I'm telling you right now that even the saved believer that, that, that has their blessed assurance in Christ alone, even, even us who, who's, whose righteousness is in the righteousness of Christ alone, we can walk the walk of the ungodly if we're not careful. So, Psalms chapter 1, let's read that. So, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, that shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chafe, which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, just want to come before you right now and uh, just, man, weary. I'm trying to get myself together here. Lord, put me aside. Lord, let us hear from you today. Lord, uh, we need... uh, we need to hear from you. We need to, to, to know how to take what you have for us today and just apply this to our walk and make it real to us, Lord, because your word needs to be real to us. It needs to be real to us on the daily. It's something that, uh, as uh, someone said to me this week, a wise pastor said to me, we need to be engaging in your word, not just reading it. We need to, we need to be hearing from you at all times, Lord, so that our relationship with you is fresh. So, Lord, I pray that's what we get today, and I just pray this in Christ's name. <clears throat> All right, so Psalms 1, 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Well, the first thing we want to see here is that there is a man whom the Bible says is blessed. Well, that makes me ask the question, we should be asking the question, what is blessed? What does that mean? Right? According to the Bible, what does what is blessed mean? Oh, wait, yeah, say that out loud. What was it? Happy. Happy. Thank you, Maria. Yeah, the word blessed means happy or content, right? <clears throat> blessed is the man. And that Hebrew word esher here is, is translated blessed, which, again, it carries the idea of happiness or contentment, right? And in its root, it actually means to be straight or to be right, right? So when the psalmist here is saying blessed is the man, he is saying happy is the man or content is the man or the woman that is right, that is straight with God. The righteous man will be a blessed man, a happy man content man. 1 Timothy 6.6 tells us that, that godliness with contentment is great gain, right? And before I was saved or studying God's word for myself, I think I used to think of blessing as some kind of like prosperity thing, right? I used to think of it as like, you know, if you got a blessing, you got a gift, right? You got some kind of riches or something went really right for you, right? And, and it can mean that in our in our vocabulary, or we take it to the other stream and we just minimize it, right? Like it's something we just say out of habit, 
like uh, when, when we sneeze, like we say tight. Like my wife, it drives her crazy because I'll, I'll say, bless you, she does these sneezes where she does it in like patterns of three. So <laughs> I'll get ahead of her and be like, bless you, bless you, and I'll just wait. <laughs> you know, and, and that really does minimize it, right? But, but what the word of God is telling us here is that true blessing, what it re- means to be truly blessed is to simply be right with God, to find our happiness and our contentment in him alone in Christ alone. So the next thing we want to see here is, is that there is a progressive path to ungodliness, right? The progression here we see in Psalms 1-1 is that, that if we walk in the counsel of the ungodly, then we will begin to stand in the way of sinners, and eventually we will be seated in the seat of the scornful. So to start, we, we see that we don't want to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And of course, to say that we are walking in that counsel, well, that doesn't mean we're just hearing it. It means that we're actually acting on it. We're taking that counsel and we're acting upon it, right? <clears throat> and once we begin acting on that counsel, well, then we're also going to be standing in the way of sinners. Their way is going to be our ways. We're going to be doing what sinners do, right? Which, of course, is committing sin. And finally, in taking this from the perspective of a believer, who is doing these things, if, if we are standing and committing sin against our Lord, because that's who sin is primarily against, right? And who bled, who died for us, right? Then we will be sitting in the seat of the scornful, right? Just sitting there mocking God with our very lives, putting to open shame the sacrifice that he has made for us on the cross. So if we're going to head it off at the pass, right, and we're not going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly that leads to these other things, I say the first question is, is who or what is ungodly, right? And, and then what is their counsel? Well, just like God gives us three main avenues <clears throat> for godly counsel, which are his word, his spirit, his body, right, fellowship of other believers. Well, I would say that based on the scriptures, the ungodly also have three primary avenues for their counsel. The first one that we're going to look at is the world, right? <clears throat> and, and we see this in, in politicians. We see this in social media. We see this in lost friends and family. Uh, we, we see this in the books we read, the music we listen to, the shows we watch. We can even see this heck, taking counsel from a believer, from a fellow believer who's not walking godly can be ungodly counsel. And can I, can I just tell you that whenever we are taking our counsel from anything that is outside of God's word and will for our lives, or more so whenever we're finding our identities in anything except for Christ alone, beware. Beware, brethren, beware. So many of us, even Bible-believing Christians, are finding our, our, our counsel and our identity in the things that the world has to offer. And, and get ready, because next year is an election year, so we're going to see a whole lot of that, right? <clears throat> it's easy for us to get sucked into. And we get caught up in the affairs of this world. And we forget that we, we, brethren, brothers, sisters, that we aren't supposed to have anything to do with this world. It's pretty tough, though, because we're in it. First John 2, uh, 15 through 17 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, 
but of the world, right? And there's that uh, counsel of the ungodly right there, by the way, right? It, it's uh, that lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's, it's more money. It's more power, more prestige, more fame, more sex, whatever it is, more me, more me, me, me. That's what it is in the end. And someone was just telling me, actually, uh, someone I'm close to was just telling me and, uh, that they, were, they just joined this corporate mentorship, right? And they were super excited about it. Right, and it's it's a corporate mentorship through their work, and and in this this mentorship, the mentor was telling them, listen, you need to be more selfish, you need to stop thinking about others, you need to be more about yourself, and and, and focused on you. And, and this person who I love dearly was just so happy about that advice, like that was like that was authenticating their desire, right, the, their fleshly desire to be selfish. That's the counsel the world has to offer us. And that person was a Bible-believing Christian, by the way. But this world, right, this world, 1 John 2, 17 goes on to tell us, says it passes away, right, and the lust thereof, and that he that doeth the will of God, that abides forever. <clears throat> but I'm telling you all, if we, if we choose to do the will of God and, the will, and not the will of, of ungodly counsel, not the will of the world, we are going to get pushback, Right? Jesus tells the disciples in John chapter 15, uh, verses 18 and 19, he says, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Don't forget that. We've been chosen out of the world, right? Therefore, the world hateth you. You know, the Apostle Paul also tells us in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, that thou, speaking to Timothy, his disciple, his son in the faith, right? Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself in the with the affairs of this life, of this world, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. There it is again. We've been chosen, remember? Chosen out of this world, Jesus said. And we don't want to entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life. And, and we will endure hardness as good soldiers. Because again, just like Jesus said, just like he told the disciples back in John 15, if you're going to live your life according to God's will, according to God's counsel, according to his word, and not according to their counsel, to the counsel that we get out there, well, the world isn't going to like you. It's not going to like what you have to say. In fact, Paul tells Timothy in that same epistle just one chapter later, Right? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, he says, Yea, and all, not some, but all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. They're going to get worse and worse, y'all. Deceiving and being deceived. And don't miss that, because there's that ungodly counsel of the world again. And notice also that the deceiving they're also deceived. So what's the answer to that counsel? Well, Paul goes on. He says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, Jesus, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, 
right? And that's what we want to be, right? We want to be the righteous man, the blessed man. That the man of God may be perfect. And what's that word perfect mean? Yeah, to be mature. And more so, the Bible even defines itself, doesn't it? The man of God may be perfect. What? Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So there it is. Our godly counsel needs to come from the scripture. It needs to come from the word of God, which is profitable for us. <clears throat> so we see that the world is our first source of ungodly counsel. Uh, and remember, Paul said those evil seducers who were deceiving were being deceived themselves. Because the second source of ungodly counsel that we're going to look at today, which is a bit more diabolical, uh, that's satanic and spiritual wickedness, right? And I mean, we see that. We see it in the world. We see it in all the agendas that are happening out there. Uh, you know, we see it in... Uh, you know, the LGBTQ agendas. We see it in the agenda for abortion. We see it when, when Hamas comes paragliding into a concert and starts killing people. And then on social media, you see people here in America protesting, saying that, man, that's justified. Saying that abortion rights equal Palestinian rights. What? What? When they would kill you for doing that there. It's crazy. There's so much confusion. And God is not the author of confusion, y'all. And that's not, I mean, that's not all. There's, there's all these, I mean, it, it bleeds into our very culture. You can hit the next ones. We'll just look at a couple of them. This is, this is the Super Bowl uh, last, last year. We won last year, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> this is the halftime show with Rihanna, right? And you almost miss it. It like kind of flashed by. We're all excited. I'm a huge Chiefs fan, by the way. So that was kind of like hard. But I'm watching it. And you see this thing where it's like there's this blood red cross with this angelic host floating over it, right? And here's Rihanna in her, her bright red suit, like, a, a, you know, and, and whatnot. And then by the end, they're, they're all like trampling on this blood red cross and this whole fallen host, like, in white, like, down here. Okay, maybe I'm reaching, right? Let's hit the next one, if we would, please. <clears throat> here's the Super Bowl we won before that. This is Jennifer Lopez in the halftime show. And for a brief moment, she gets up there, takes the position of the cross, and all her dancers go and worship below her. These subtle things that happen like that, these things that the spiritual wickedness that is working them. And I'm like, do they even know they're doing that? Probably, but probably not. We'll go to the next one, please. This is Beyonce at the Grammys a few years back. And uh, we're watching this, and it's surreal, like, what's going on. She's dressed as the goddess Astaroth. They're all worshiping her. Even, even, even uh, Adele, who wins, like, best artist at the end. Like she's, she's like, Beyonce, you're the goddess. We should be worshiping you. It's crazy. I'm like, what is happening here? Uh, but maybe I'm reaching. Here, let's go on. But here it is in history. Here's, here's the statues of the goddess Astaroth with the same head. Here's the, oh, wait, and who's that? It's in our very culture. It's in every aspect. Satan is bleeding in, in the little things. Uh, next, please. Uh, if, and if that didn't say you, there's Sam Smith at the last Grammys, if that's not, like, blatantly, you know, and that's the only image I could even show because it got that bad, honestly. We can get past that now. Thank you. <clears throat> How about all these little things? And, you know, you can get caught up on it to where you start looking into everything. Like, once you start becoming aware of it, like, you know, I'm looking at my, my Starbucks or something floating. Satan, is that you, you know? <laughs> so you, you want to be careful, you know? But then, we'll go one more. I'm standing with my daughter at the bus stop the other day. And I'm looking at her, and, and her and her friend are running around. And I'm like, what's, I like, look at her shirt. And I'm like, what is this? Oh, it's just a, it looks like a sideways star, right? What's the next one? 
Oh, is it? Because that sure looks like the same exact symbol to me. I'm just saying it's in there. It's, it, it's out there, and I think he is subliminally hitting us with it at all times. We have to be aware of that. We have to be aware of that. I can't even give that sweater away. i got to, like, burn it or something. I don't know what to do. Okay, so anyway, man. So Ephesians 6, verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In Ephesians 2, just a few chapters before that, in verses 1 through 3, Paul also says, and he says, In you, you believer, you church, hath he quickened, hath he made alive, has Jesus made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, how the world walks. Remember that, that first source of our ungodly counsel? According to the prince of the power of, air, of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, that works in the lost world, among whom also we all, every single one of us, used to walk according to that, right? Had our conversation. The, 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 the conversation of our lives, when the, when the King James speaks of conversation, it speaks about not just how we talk, but how we, how we act, how we live. What does our life speak to the rest of the world, speak to each other? But we had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So we see here, that, that all the ungodly counsel that comes from the world that we all used to walk in before we were saved and quickened in Christ, well, it comes naturally, right? It comes naturally from the prince of the power of air, which is Satan himself, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, the lost world. So what are we supposed to do with that, right? How are we supposed to handle that? Well, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And every, uh, hereby know ye the spirit of God. Sorry, Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Seems like a pretty simple litmus test, right? And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now is it already in the world. So we are to try the spirits. We're to try them against the word of God, which declares Christ to us and perfects us and matures us, instructs us in righteousness. We are to try them against the spirit of God, which instructs us and guides us and connects us. We are to try them through the fellowship of God's people. Iron, sharpening iron, right? Holding each other accountable in humility to one another. And I said this last time I was up here, I'll say it again. You cannot have one without the other because if you try to be accountable without humility, you are going to buck back against that every time. You're gonna, it's going to be all about what you didn't get or what you deserve. It's going to be all about you. And you aren't going to want to take anyone else's advice, anyone else's counsel. I need accountability, guys. I'm a mess without it, right? <clears throat> and I wish we had time to more uh, explore this a little deeper. But what I will say is, is we are going to need that accountability from the body of Christ and from other spirit-led believers because the last source of ungodly counsel, right, that we're going to explore today 
is also the hardest one for us to shake, right? And it is the absolute worst of the three enemies we are discussing here. That's right. We have three enemies as well. We have three helps, right? The word, the spirit, the, the body of Christ. We also have three enemies, right? The, we have the, the world, the devil, and that's right. Numero uno, me, 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 myself, and I, my worst enemy. So the flesh, <clears throat> well, Romans chapter seven, verses 18 and 19, I'm pretty sure we're most all of us uh, pretty familiar with this, it says, for that I know that in me, that is, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would, would not, that I do. This is the Apostle Paul who many of us argue is probably the greatest Christian to ever live, straight up telling us that all the good things he says he's going to do, well, he doesn't get around to doing those, but all the bad things he says he's not going to do, well, those he does because of this flesh. I think we can all relate to that, right? And unfortunately, again, this holds true for every single one of us. Why? Because we all tend to mind and obey our flesh which again is easy to do. Just like it's easy to take that counsel from the world, it's easy, very easy, even easier to take that counsel from our flesh. We dwell in this flesh, right? And it tells us we need stuff all the time. I got it. It's, it's the holiday season, guys. I'm, I'm wrestling with the flesh on all kinds of, putting all, staying away from those trees. She brought one of those pumpkin pies to home the other day. I had to, anyway, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> so... But anyway, yeah, we tend to mind and obey the flesh. And Paul tells us how God views this in the very next chapter. Romans 8, verses 5 through 8. says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, to be fleshly minded, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I want that. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is in direct opposition against God. It's like oil and water, right? For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Right? That law that we're about to see that we're, the righteous man meditates on day, night and day. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. <clears throat> so those are the three sources of ungodly counsel and also our three enemies, right? The world, the devil, and the flesh. And those three things will undoubtedly lead us to sin, right? And to stand in the way of sinners. And it'll lead us to scorn and to mock our Lord, to mock God, if we choose to follow after them. But blessed, blessed, happy, content is the righteous man who is right with God. And he will follow a different path. He will do different things and come to better results I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I don't always live up to it, but man, that's what I want. That's what I want us to have. Psalms 1, verse 2. So let's move on here. Let's see these results. It says the, the righteous man, right? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So what the psalmist here is saying is, is that we don't just need to read the word of God as, or as the law, as he puts it here. But we need to delight ourselves in it. We need to delight ourselves in it. And, and like I, I mentioned earlier, we need to engage in it. Engage in relationship with our Father through it and through his Spirit and with other believers. 
We need to delight ourselves in God's word. And I'm telling you, if you're doing that, spending time, and it won't be a chore. It won't be work. It'll be something you desire to do. It'll be something you hunger for. And we all have our seasons, man, but we need to, we need to have that desire, right? We need to hide God's word in our heart and meditate in his law day and night, right? There's only two times a day we need to do it, day and night. So, man, let's do it. You know, in Eastern meditation, the goal is to empty the mind, right? It says we need to meditate. And in Eastern meditation, it teaches us, uh, it would teach us that, that we need to empty our minds and, and clear our thoughts. But see, the Word of God, when, it, when the Bible talks about meditation, it means we need to fill our minds. We need to fill ourselves with God's Word. Why? Well, so that we won't sin against Him. Psalms 119, verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And also so that we will do it. Deuteronomy verse, chapter 30, verse 14 says, But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. When his, when his word is in our mouth, when it's in our heart, we'll do it. And so that even when the whole world is falling down around us, right, even when we are crying out in desperation and, and, and questioning the Lord, right, uh, uh, by why things have befallen us, why life may not be going right for us, but God, I'm a believer. Why, is, why, is the, why are these things happening to me? Why did I watch my mother waste away in a nursing home for the last 10 years, praying for, for health and recovery, and then sit by her bedside for days and days on end while I watched her die with my girls? Why? That could be hard, right? Even when we're angry at him because of our loss or our distress, just like the prophet Jeremiah who found himself locked up and abused and while watching his whole world and everything he ever knew or loved just burn to the ground before the onslaught of the Babylonians. When the prophet of the Lord was so angry with God that he said in Jeremiah chapter 20 verse 9 says, Then I, Jeremiah said, I will not make mention of him, speaking of God, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. That's how deep God's word needs to be in us, believer. That, it needs to be in our hearts. It needs to be in our very bones. That's how hungry we have to be for it. So that we'll never turn from him. So that we'll never turn from this path. And also coming back <clears throat> to Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. And taking another drink. He says, and he shall be, the psalmist says, he shall be, this righteous man, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. See, we need our roots. <clears throat> we need our roots to be deep in the Lord. Right? A tree's roots are deep so that they are strong, so that they are stable, so that they can, they can weather any storm that comes their way. And our roots need to be consistently drawing from his water and from his word. I used to have a, our family used to have a farm on the river. And every, you know, every couple of years, that river would get high on the Kansas River, right? I mean, it would be so high. You'd see entire trees getting pulled down, right? 
right, down, down the way, and then they'd settle, and it's just, it was crazy. But there would be these trees all along the bank, and their roots were so deep, and they grew so much bigger than all the rest of the trees that surrounded on the property because they had this constant connection to the water that they were planted by. See, a tree by water is consistently fed, and it is never malnourished. And because of this, it will bear good fruit in its season. And we need to remember that fruit also has a season, right? Let's consider Hannah in our, in our study in 1 Samuel, right? <clears throat> As Dell's been taking us through it, right? She was barren for many seasons, right? And, and in her mind, she must have, we already know, she, she, had a, she could have been very bitter. But by trusting the Lord and staying rooted in her faith in him, and by not being swayed by the ungodly counsel of her adversary, I, I can never get this name right, Penina, <laughs> Penina, and her, even her husband Elkanah, right? <clears throat> in her barrenness and in her brokenness, she was blessed. She was abundantly fruitful in her season. So remember, even after Samuel was born, God gave her many more children. Praise God. Because we too can feel like we are toiling at times without fruit. <clears throat> Even when we are faithful in the word, right? And that's been the nature of, of a lot of my ministry. I mean, I'm in a sower's ministry at the jail and at tubers before that where we would go and we would, you know, we, we, we sow the word. But we have to trust God to get the increase, right? Or, or altar ministry, right? Uh, I, I serve in altar ministry after second service and have for many years. And I'm going to tell you what, that can be a frustrating ministry, y'all. People do, I mean, I hear first service, they get a lot, of, a lot of customers, so to speak. They get a lot of people coming up. But at second service, like, people are ready to go. They want to get their food. They want to get on with their day. And so it, you go months sometimes without seeing someone come forward. And that can be disheartening. Like, Lord, is, are, is anyone here hearing? Is anyone here uh, broken or convicted? And I remember I was going through a season like that a couple years ago. <clears throat> and, uh, I, and to my shame, I think I was even starting to take it for granted. You know, just, you know, we go up, we do our thing, we wait. Is it? And this guy, Butch, comes up. And uh, he's, he sits down, and, and we start talking and start praying. And he's got uh, stage four terminal cancer. And, uh, you know, there's no, no hope for, uh, for healing in that, right? And, and he, just, he just, it's one of those moments you rarely get, which is, what must I do to be saved, sir, you know? And, man, we pray for his salvation. And, and I truly believe he got saved that day. Well, that man went. And, and had lunch with his family, and two hours later, he closed his eyes and never woke up again. We cannot grow weary in well-doing. We cannot be, be weary and, not, and, and, and broken because we're not being fruitful. God's going to bring the fruit in its due season. We just got to keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. We have to be faithful. We have to be plugged in. We have to take this work, that this opportunity, this man that, that, that God has given us seriously, right? It, it, it's crazy. God, it pleases God, but by the, the foolishness of preaching that men would be saved. We're all going to 1 Corinthians now. Don't let that get by us. And remember, the promise here is that if you are rooted and drinking from his water, the man, we will be fruitful and our leaves will not wither meaning that our faith won't look withered and, and browned out and dead to the world, right? We will look lively to the world that we are so desiring to reach in the name of Jesus Christ. And we will, man, we'll be fruitful and we'll prosper. 
And this doesn't mean that we're going to have the Midas touch, right? It doesn't mean that everything we touch is going to turn to gold, right? <laughs> but it does mean that even in our trials and even in our tribulations, that God's going to bring something from that. He's going to bring something good from that, y'all, right? I got to go right after my mother died. I mean, I've had so many opportunities. I got to go to Nairobi and share that testimony and, and share with people who had also lost and suffered, who, who I could connect with through that. And God will use what he has comforted me with to comfort them also. That's our job. And he will bring something that he is able to be glorified by, something that will bring him fruit. Uh, Psalm 1, verse uh, 4 and 5. It says, the ungodly are not so, though. They're not going to be that. They're not going to be profitable. But they're like the chafe, right? The chafe is is like uh, the, those dead leaves on the ground. The chafe is the stuff that falls off the acorn. The chafe is like when you're, you're cutting wood in, in the sawdust that's all on the ground, right? It's the stuff that, that you can't, there's no use for it. There's no purpose for it, right? In Matthew chapter 3, it says that uh, the chafe's going to burn up, speaking of the lost, right? But the chafe, they're like the wind, right, which is the wind driveth away. <clears throat> or the ungodly, they're like the chafe, which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, See, the lost, the ungodly by nature, <clears throat> whom we are supposed to love, by the way, who, st who stand in the way of sinners. That's their way. They don't have any other way. They won't stand in the day of judgment because they will be judged according to their works and they will be found wanting. They will be cast into the lake of fire with that very devil that deceived them. Uh, Revelation chapter 20, verses 10 through 15 says, and the devil that deceived them, remember, we said earlier that the ones, the evil men, the seducers that deceive us, that want to get, that are waxing worse and worse, that they were deceived also, right? And, I, and of course, this is speaking of another time, but the, the application applies. The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, that's Jesus, y'all, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead. The dead mean the lost, those who were without Christ, that he hadn't quickened, he hadn't made alive, like he has us. Remember what we saw in Ephesians? Small and great. Didn't matter if you were a king or a pauper. Didn't matter who you were. Small and great stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. I don't know about y'all, but there was a time in my life where I used to say, man, uh, you know, I'm sure my good deeds outweigh my bad. And I hear that all the time still. I'm sure I'll take my chances. Don't take your chances. Because, <laughs> man, it says, verse 13, the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, spiritual death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And that is tough. And it should prick our hearts and it should turn our stomachs for our indifference that we all have. And I'm preaching it myself here. Because there is someone, I guarantee you, in each one of our lives, at least someone, probably more than not, who are heading on that path right now. But you got to know, believer, Christian, that the saved 
we will also be judged according to our works. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 15 says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So there's our foundation. The foundation is our salvation. That's in Jesus Christ. That, you can't take that up. That's done. Once, once you are saved, you are saved. There's your foundation. But what are you going to build upon that foundation? Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, right? Wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. It's interesting how all these judgments are by fire, isn't it? Like, whether it's the lost or the saved, it's all by fire. And if any man's work, verse 14, abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, right? Now, that, that gold, silver, precious stones, and most of us know this, but, man, those things, they don't, they don't burn up in fire, right? They, 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 may, they may melt down. They may be refined, made into something new, but they don't burn up. But that wood, hay, that stubble, I wish we had time to get into it, but, man, that stuff burns up. Right? And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. And that stubble, by the way, is that chafe. It's that same thing. <clears throat> but he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. Sam likes to say, you know, you'll have a lot of believers like reeking of hell when they reeking of, smell like smoke when they get in. They get into heaven. So what we see here at this judgment seat of Christ is that if your works were ungodly, yes, you, Christian. Yes, me, Christian. And by the way, I'm telling you that anything that wasn't that gold, silver, precious stones, anything that was that wood, hay, stubble, it burned up because it wasn't godly, which means it's ungodly. Well, that burns up in the fires of judgment because it was ungodly. And when they burn up, they will no longer carry any weight, and they will be found lacking in the day of judgment, right? Uh, reminds me of uh, uh, Daniel, right, when uh, Belshazzar, right, the writing was on the wall. So that, you know, your works, you've been found wanting, right? You've been weighed and you've been found wanting, right? You see the lost, they will be cast into a lake of fire because, because of their ungodly lives without Christ. But, but the saved, us, who knew Christ, yet followed the counsel of the ungodly anyways, who stood in the way of sinners, who sat in the seat of the scornful, mocking our Lord with our very lives, well, we're going to find ourselves naked and ashamed before our Lord as well. In a different way, but saved, yet so as by fire. Psalms uh, 1-6, try and wrap up here. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. See, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The righteous, they can have peace. We can have peace because we know that we have a Father in heaven. We have a loving God who knows our way who wants to protect us, who wants to preserve us. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. See, the way of the ungodly, it leads to destruction. Why do we want to follow that way? Why do we want to make that our way? They are on a broad path that, man, it may seem comfortable now, right? It may seem like something that is appealing and pleasing now in this moment, in this flesh. And we all do it. But man, that path, and we may have a lot of company on that path too, by the way. But that path, man, the end thereof of that, man, it, it's, it's death. It's, it's, it's perishing. And I'm telling you right here and right now, man, that, you know, a lot of people, I still hear this a lot. Uh, you know, I'd rather be in hell where all the cool people are, you know, where the, where the party's at. There's not going to be a party in hell. There's not. There's not. 
It's going to be fire and darkness. It's going to be, it's going to be torment and terror. It's going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And I believe it, man, not because I want to believe it, because I'm telling you, I would rather sit here and tell you that all roads lead to heaven, because there's a lot of people I love who have already died and who, who, who are probably going to die in their sins. They aren't going to make it there. And they're going to know that reality of hell. And it's not the truth I've seen in this life. It's, it's not the, the pretty thing that we want it to be. It's not what we want it to be. It's what it is. I believe this because it's what the Lord said it is, right? I believe it because he gave everything so that we don't have to go there, so that they don't have to go there. I believe it because he said that he was the way, the truth, the life, one, singular, not one of many, the way. And at least four times in the book of Acts, by the way, Christianity is called the way. And to be a Christian it just means to be a little Christ, right? A follower of Christ. It is the way of the righteous and the blessed man, not the way of the ungodly. So I'm going to wrap up here, but which, the question we want to ask ourselves today is, is, which way are we on? Which path are we on, right? Are we straddling that line? I mean, we're here early on a Sunday morning, so I'm, I'm guessing we're at least trying to walk that godly path, right? But are we straddling that line? Are we teetering either way? getting a little bit smoke on us, right? <clears throat> and if you're on the wrong path right now, are you going to get back on that right path? How are you going to get back on that right path? Are you going to get accountable in the word? Are you going to get accountable with your brothers and your sisters in Christ, right? Are you going to get down on your knees and speak to your father? Are you taking the right counsel? Are you standing in the right way? Are you standing in the way of the lost in your life who are heading straight to hell, Right? Like Sam says, man, we want people tripping over us on the way. We don't want to just open the door for them because it was convenient, because we didn't want to have hard conversations, because we were afraid what they might think of us. I mean, if, if you see someone standing in the street and a bus is about to hit them and you yell at them, they're like, what are you yelling at me for? Right? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. No. No. We know something's coming. It's wrong of us. It would be wrong of us not to yell and to warn. Are we standing in the way of brethren who are running from the Lord right now, from the church, right? I don't know about y'all, but I know I've got some phone calls to make. Uh, but, uh, man, thank you. This is what I've got today. Um, Adele has an announcement for us, so I'm going to bring him up. And, so, love y'all.